How are we this morning? Good? Good. I want to, if you would, as a faith family, turn with me to, your, to Galatians chapter 6. And today we are going to be working through Galatians 6, 6 through 11. Galatians 6, 6 through 11, really 6 through 10. As you're turning, I'm going to pray one more time. Father, you are good. And Lord, it feels almost silly to attach finite feeble words to your character and your glory. But you are good. And Lord, we pray today, God, Lord, we, there, there's a lot going on. We're going to, God, we're going to vote today as a church on, on whether we move forward with a facility or, 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 or not, God. And we, we believe that, God, Lord, when we cast a lot or draw the straw, whatever the outcome, it's your will, you're sovereign. You're sovereign. And God, Lord, as that might be on some minds today and some hearts today, what I, I pray, God, is that you would just kind of allow that to slip out, slip out of the room. God, because your word is precious. God, and we want to, as a faith family, focus in on the beauty of the text. We want together to focus in on the glory of who you are in the scriptures. This is your self-revelation. You have given us yourself on a page, God, Lord. And I don't want to treat that lightly, God. I want to, press, I want to treasure it as a precious jewel that it is. So God, I just say thank you and do what only you can do this morning by the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, and everybody together said... Amen, amen. All right. Galatians 6, verse 6. Let no one who is taught the let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will reap from the flesh corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary in well-doing. For in due season you will reap if you do not give up. Depending on the translation you're reading, if you do not faint. So then as we have an opportunity, let's, let us do good to one another, especially those of the household of faith. Let's jump back to six together. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Traditionally, um, someone preaching this text and, and keying in on this verse would probably take this to ministerial compensation. That's not really where we're going to go today. Um, we're going to talk about the good thing. We're going to talk about sharing the good thing. Talk about sharing. He says this, listen, let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. So that means, if I'm not mistaken on the scripture, I believe the scripture breathes this to us, tells us this, that we should be in some kind of relationship of sharing. 
some kind of relationship of imparting the goods that we have or the gifts that we have into one another, into each other's lives. We should be about giving. So for just a minute, what I want to do, I want to look at it a a little bit differently than it probably would traditionally because most preachers would probably take the opportunity here to talk about compensation and that's mostly and largely a a silly miscommunication and, and they should probably stop. So we share the good. We share the good. What do you have to share that's good? Like, like, like what do you have to share that's good? This is the question I ask at 9.30, and this is the thing that kind of hit me when I was reading this. Share the, the one who are taught should be sharing with the one who teaches. So when I started thinking this morning, or, or as we move through the text together, what's good? So I think we undervalue the reality and the preciousness of the gospel that lives inside of us. And I want to ask you this question. I don't often like open it up with a hard challenge, but I feel like this is hard. I want to ask you, have you ever shared your testimony? Have you ever shared your story? I want to ask you, push that a little further. Does your family know your story? Does your, does your family know how that one time you were lost and undone in your sin, but now you have come to Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit? And if that's your story, I want to ask you, who knows your story? In the context of life, in the context of eternity, the greatest gift that we'll ever possess, Scripture says, is this treasure in earthen vessels. So to share that which is good would be to share the greatest gift, the greatest amount of wealth that we ever have. And what's the only thing? The only thing that never runs out, the only thing that never can be undone, the only thing that will never go bankrupt is the mercy and the grace and the power of God. Amen? So here's my question. Are you sharing it? Well, TJ, my, my faith is kind of, you know, I, I, I believe that, that faith is, is private and we shouldn't really talk about that and that kind of leaves people to their own selves. Listen, I'm just really, really glad the guys who wrote this didn't feel that way. Right? I'm, I'm really glad that my grandfather, when I was eight years old, that he didn't say, man, faith is just something I kind of keep to myself and they can figure it out. I remember, I remember him walking me through the Roman road to salvation uh, in person after person, like sharing the gospel with me. So I'm not, I'm not throwing you under the bus this morning. If you're just like, hey, man, I'm, I'm, I'll just hang out with St. Francis, Francis of Assisi, you know, uh, preach the gospel at all times, if necessary, use words. No. Preach the gospel at all times with your words. Like, how will they know if they don't hear? That's actually in Scripture. How will they hear if we do not tell? Well, let the preacher do it. No. He says share. This responsibility doesn't rest on my shoulders alone. It rests on your shoulders and on your heart to share the the good work of the gospel, to share the greatest gift that you've ever received. Share. So I'm asking, who knows your story? Do your employees know your story? Does your employer know your story? Well, TJ, I, I don't think we should mix business and the gospel. I can't find that. Like, do, do your friends 
know that man. I just want them to live their own life and kind of do their thing. And I'm praying for them. I can't find that. TJ, my family, I love them, but I, man, I, you know, I'm just really just praying for them. I don't really share with them. I'm not going to share with them. I just, yeah, I'm going to let you know somebody else is better qualified. I can't find that. Can't find it. So my question this morning is, who knows your story? And who are you willing to tell your story with? I want you to see this this morning. I, I, I didn't really intend to camp out here this long, but I just want to obey the Spirit of God. Listen, Scripture says that we've been made overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the... Anybody know the next part? Word of our testimony. So we've been made overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony, the thing that encourages, that lifts us up after the, the work of the blood of Christ that we can't do on our own, we have a testimony. We have a story to tell. Oh, I want you to see it. I hope you see it this morning. Like if you've been redeemed by the radical grace of God, the scandalous grace of God, if you will, the, the grace of God that required nothing from you, but yes, God, here I am, the grace of God that when you were in your sin, loved you anyways, when you were in your sin, pursued you anyways, the grace of God that reached down into the pit where you were and lifted you up. If that's your story, why in the world are you silent? Listen, if you had... If you had a billion dollars, if you had a billion dollars, the people around you that you know have hard workers and discipline and challenge, a billion dollars, and your contribution could be a part of bringing them out of absolute poverty and absolute death, and people that you loved and you cared about, they're starving to death, and you're sitting there with a billion dollars in your pocket. Who of you would just sit there and watch them starve with a billion dollars in your pocket? Who would do that in the natural world? No, you'd be making it rain, right? I mean, you'd just be like everywhere, everywhere in your life, all the people that you love, you'd be like, man, here, here, let me buy you food, let me buy you clothes, let me buy you shelter, let me take care of you, I love you. It might be ramen noodles, but you'd get them by. If you do that in the natural world, why, why won't you do it in the spiritual world? I'm, I'm talking to myself. That's just not, I'm not preaching at you. It grips me. I mean, in the natural world, you think, oh, TJ, if you're a billionaire and you, you see your family and your loved ones starving, that's a no-brainer, man. Give them some food. Maybe buy them some leadership classes and teach them some work ethic if they can't hold a job. Make an investment in them, whatever the deal is, right? Like, I mean, you would, you would set your family up to when you would see them come out of poverty, we have something far more significant than a billion dollars in our pocket. We have something that can't be bought and sold, something more precious than silver and gold. We have the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it, 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 it is ours to share. Here's my encouragement, and we're going to move on. Let somebody know your story. I don't care if it's a coworker or somebody at the gym. Get real weird with it. Just walk up to somebody and be like, listen, I know you don't know me, but I just want to tell my story. It's okay. 
She said, TJ, I'm not really qualified. I really don't know all this stuff about the Bible. I don't really know like Greek words and all this Hebrew stuff and, and how to translate. That makes two of us. It works out. When Stephen stood up, he didn't pull out a lot of complicated phrases and churchy words. He just told a story. He told how he'd come face to face with the God of the universe. He talked about a little bit about the God of the Bible that he knew from the Old Testament. And then they killed him. He said, TJ, I'm not really qualified. And neither was Stephen then. Because he just told a story. Scripture said that when he was basically crumbling under a pile of stones, looked up and saw Jesus sitting at the right, standing at the right hand of the Father. And his face shined like an angel. Are you telling your story? And if not, why aren't you telling your story? That's a question I'll let you grapple with as we move through the text. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. Do not be deceived. Let me hit you with this fancy translation. Stop kidding yourself. That's what he's saying. Do not be deceived. Stop kidding yourself. The word picture here as he moves on is no one will throw their nose up at God for very long. He said, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Stop kidding yourself. God's not going to put up with us throwing our nose up at him for very long. For the one, if he sows, they will also reap. For the one who sows into the flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. The one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Listen, I want to remind you this. I think we forget this sometimes in life, but every single thing that is planted will spring up. Everything. God's, God's whole little ecosystem in the Spirit is a lot better than, than what we experience here in this world. Everything that we plant, listen, the bad things that we plant, the things that we sow into the flesh, the lust, the pride, the anger, the malice, the jealousy, the gossip, when we plant those seeds of impatience and frustration, maybe it's seeds of racism, all these different seeds, right? We're just planting all these things and what do you think? They're not going to spring up? That's what he's warning here. He's saying, listen, be careful what you're sowing your life into. Be careful where you're planting your life into because there's going to be fruit. When he says this, it's an interesting phrase that he uses. He says, you will, if you sow into the flesh, you will from the flesh reap corruption. That word corruption means decay. So listen to what Paul's saying. If you are sowing into the flesh, the things that I mentioned... You can guarantee yourself decay. You can be guaranteed that you're going to produce rotten fruit. This is also another place in Scripture, and I, I just got to share this because I, I, I loathe the prosperity gospel. 
And this is a place in Scripture where a lot of preachers or pastors love to take this verse out of context. And they, they love to say, well, whatever you sow, you're going to reap. So why don't you come down today and give me $25 and God will give you $250. You know. Or if you, if you send me a $100 check or whatever, God will give you $100,000. you have seen the TV preachers. By the grace of God, I've never met one. I'm not sure I could contain myself. Not because I'd be awestruck, but they might be struck. <laughs> if you ever hear a preacher preaching that to you, listen, hear me well. Do I believe that God blesses our faithfulness? Absolutely, Scripture says that. Do I believe that when we invest in the kingdom of God that he pours out bountifully on us? Yes. Does that, is that always attached to a money sign? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. There's a, there's a kingdom kind of culture going on here that when we, we sow into the flesh, he's guaranteeing it. All you're going to have is rotten fruit. And you're going to keep this cycle of wondering like, like, man, I keep working and I keep doing life and I keep I have these relationships. And man, it seems like every time I feel like something good is going to spring, I've been putting in all this work. It's like all this rotten stuff pops up. And the Holy Spirit is just whispering through the text, you're planting the wrong stuff. Because he makes a promise that if you plant, if you sow into the Spirit, that you will reap eternal life. You will reap eternal life. We're so fixed on the temporary we're so fixed on this world. We're so fixed on this vapor of a thing called life that we walk through. That we, we, we can't even see the dynamic of what's going on, the whole beauty of what's going on in the text. I want to take you just a little bit further and show you this, man, as it unfolds. And let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap if you do not faint. You know what he's saying? If you sow into the flesh, you can just guarantee yourself frustration. You can guarantee yourself thorns. You can guarantee yourself rotten fruit. But if you throw into the spirit, there's this eternal reward. There's this reward that transcends this life. There's this reward that lasts far beyond these days. And there are some of you in this room, I want you to hear me, I want you to hear me well, where you have invested into the kingdom of God. And you're giving your life. You say, TJ, man, I... Now, you know, I started coming to church and I started praying more. I started reading my Bible more, man. And I, I started doing all of these things, feeling like I'm pursuing God. But it really just feels like the more that I pursue God, the more all hell breaks loose in my life. That's why Paul follows up. Hey, hey, hey. Don't be weary in well-doing. Because in due time, you will reap if you do not faint. I don't read this into the text, but I want you to hear this. In due time, those of you who are converted by the power of the Holy Spirit, you give yourself to the glory of God, you surrender up your life as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to Him. There is a reward, man. It's not, it's not going to be, it might not be some financial miracle or some health miracle. 
And I know, listen, we all sit in this room this morning praying for incredible things, feeling the burdens of life, feeling the weight of life around us. And there's so many of us walking through this place where we're like, God, I'm just weary and well-doing. I'm just kind of exhausted trying to live this Christian life. I know we're supposed to paint on all these smiles and be perfect and everything, but that we could actually be real for a change in church. Maybe you're sitting there today and you're like, TJ, I'm just tired, man. Nobody really knows how tired I am. Nobody really knows what I've been walking through. Maybe that's you and you come in this morning and you say, TJ, nobody knows the weight. Listen, there is someone who knows the weight. He came to this planet. He walked in your place. He died on a cross. He rose from the grave so that you could have victory in this moment. And that when life gets too heavy and you feel worried, you feel weary, you feel heavy, you feel doubtful, you feel fearful, you can rest in him. You can lean on him. Do not grow weary in well-doing, for in due time you will reap if you do not faint. You say, TJ, how do I not faint? How can you say that? You don't know my life. You don't know my burdens. You don't know my pains. You don't know my suffering. You don't know what I've been through. How can you say, how do you know for sure? How do I not grow weary? Listen, we we talked about it last week. He says in the word that in this life you will have trouble. In this life you will walk through suffering. It's what you do in the moment of suffering. It's what you do when the load gets too heavy to bear. It's in those moments, and we said it earlier. We love to say God will not put more on us than we can bear. Sometimes he does. Right? Right? Tell that to the family member that's standing over the coffin. Right? To the person battling addiction that feels like they just can't break free. To the marriage that is continually contentious and wrestling and fighting. To the parent-child relationship that's continually stressed. And maybe even broken. Listen, I'm telling you this morning, there will be times in life where those words make absolutely no sense. God will not put more on us than we can bear. There are times that there will be more on us than we could absolutely bear. But he is the pillow of grace where we can rest our head. He's the refuge and the shelter that we find safe harbor in. Listen, how do I rest how do, I, how do I not grow weary? I'm going to teach you, I'm weary. Maybe that's your thought this morning. Maybe that's your heart. I'm, I'm weary. And I'm kind of walking in this weariness, and I just really don't want to faint. I, I, I want to, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, so I have to make things really simple for myself, and I hope it helps you too. If you're working in the yard, if you were running a race, maybe not a race, if you're just one of those people that like to run miles and miles and miles for no reason, nothing's chasing you, maybe you're one of those. We love you. Don't fully understand you all the time, but we love you. If you felt like you were just exhausted and you were done and you couldn't give anymore, what would you do? 
You sit down, right? If you were in the yard and working and the sun was just beaming down on you, what would you do? Well, in the natural, we would say, well, TJ, no brainer, we would, we would rest. We would rest. And see, sometimes, somehow, this whole American individualized, like we're all on the island, you know, we, we, we've grown up in this, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and just keep going and going and going and going and burn yourself out, right? No. And if you're in that cycle today of planting into the flesh, or you're in that cycle today of, of just being weary and weary and weary and weary and feeling like you might faint, listen, hear me when I say this, rest. Rest. Parents, if, if you saw your son or daughter, and, and I know I'll, I'm just using this, if you saw your son or daughter, and, and they, were, they were working in the yard, and they were pulling weeds, and I know some of you were like, man, I, whatever, that's not happening. But say they were pulling weeds, and the sun's beating down, or they're picking up pine, or whatever you roll at your crib, and there's just, it's just exhausted, and you can see they're broke down, and they're sweating, and they came and said, hey, man, I, listen, I've been working really hard, mom or dad. I know that conversation don't typically happen, but can I just take a rest? And you, you would look at how hard they were working and, and only an evil, foolish parent would say, absolutely not. You get out of here and you, you just keep working. I can't give anymore. I, I, I want to keep working, but can I just take a rest? How many of you as parents, if your kid actually got up and did anything, you'd be like, man, you, you just work for an hour. Please rest. This is awesome. I'm not throwing you guys on the bus too much. I'm sorry. Why do we feel like that God's going to Reject us. Scripture says if we being evil parents would not give our child a snake when they ask for a fish or a stone when they ask for bread, how much more is God willing to give? So if we in our natural, very small, finite minds would delight in our son or daughter wanting to work, would delight in their exhaustion, we would never refuse their rest. We would celebrate them in their rest. We would want to give them the resources they needed to refuel. So hear me when I say this today. Maybe you're the person that says, TJ, in the spiritual, I'm just tired. I'm done. Three real quick things. That was my introduction, all of that. (laughs) Three quick things. Rest in the sufficiency of Christ. See, the world would love for us to believe that he's just not enough. That's why it tells us to get one more vehicle or one more boat or one more extra lake house or beach house or one, you know, one more trophy on the wall, one more ribbon to hang, one, one more, just one more. And Jesus just says, listen, you're weary. Come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest today in the sufficiency of Christ. He is enough. See, TJ, you don't, you don't know how tired I am. He's enough. You don't know how sinful I've been. He's enough. You don't know how far away I feel like I am. He is enough. Rest today in the sufficiency of Christ Jesus. Rest today in the power and the promise of Christ Jesus. Jesus told his disciples not to worry because he had overcome the world. 
He also told them that he would be with them till the end of the age. That's, that's a power that we don't have. Today, I, I'm, I challenge you, I'm asking you, if you're that weary person, if you have an area or a moment in your life where you just feel weary and heavy and broken down, I'm challenging you, find a place at home today. Go home. Go eat, do your thing, whatever, but go find you a place. Get alone with God. You can, like, it's okay to do that. I'm giving you permission. Get alone with God. Maybe kneel down before him. Maybe lay on your face, whatever it takes, and just say, God, I know that you're sufficient. Like, with my head, I know that, Christ, you're sufficient. But I want to know you're sufficient. Like, God, I, I know, I know that you're powerful, right? I know up here you're powerful, but God, I need to know that you're powerful. God, I know you're enough, but I need to know you're enough. You rest in his sufficiency, you rest in his promise, you rest in his power. And the very last thing today, Say, I'm the one that's weary and heavy laden. Rest in the reward. Rest in the reward. So many times in life, we, when we talk about what we get with God, we love to talk about the stuff. God gives peace or joy. Or one day we're going to get to he- go to heaven and we're going to escape hell and, and look what God gives us. Look what we get from God. Look at all these things we get from God. Look at the reward that God gives us. And this is what we forget. And I want you to hear this today. You say you're weary and heavy laden. I want you to rest in the sufficiency of Christ. I want you to rest in the promise of Christ. I want you to rest in the power of Christ. And I want you to rest in the reality that you get God. Scripture says that the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in you. And it's not about just getting heaven and no more suffering and no more shame and no more sin and no more heartache and no more more life as we know it. It's not just about escaping hell. It's about the fact that we get God. Infinite joy, infinite peace, infinite love, infinite grace. A waterfall of mercy that flows from eternity to eternity to eternity to eternity. And we get him. Not because we've clawed and scratched to make our way, clawed and scratched to make our way to him. But because he came down to us. And he offered himself as a gift. Do you know him today? And if you know him or you're telling your story, and maybe you do know him and you have been telling your story and you're just heavy and weary, it's okay to rest. Rest in the sufficiency of Christ Jesus. Rest in his power. Rest in his promise. And rest in the reward that no matter what life gives or takes, you get God. You get God. Let's pray. Father, I know I say it all the time, Lord, but you're just infinitely better than anything on this planet. God, you are a delight to know and to be known by. And God, I pray that that doesn't escape us. In the craziness of life, God, pray that that, God, I pray that that does not escape us. We get you. Because you've given yourself as a gift. We love you.
We pray that this word would take root in our heart. Change us, Lord. I pray that boldly. Change us. In Jesus' name, amen.